so humbled and privileged to get to open your word. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts. Lord Jesus, I pray that the authority would come from your word. And that it would fall upon our ears. Lord, we love you so much. And I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. So tonight, I am following two other wonderful men. Um, and so we are going to be in Luke 15. Um, as we had Bobby to close us out uh, last week in 14, uh, we are moving on to 15. So if you would, please move to Luke 15. Starting in chapter 1, and I will read till verse 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so as we kind of go back and dive in with it, let's go back to verse 1 and let's see who's talking, what's the setting, what's kind of going on in this, okay? And so in chapter 1, I mean 15, verse 1, 1 and 2, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And so the tax collectors in this kind of a setting are going to be uh, most tax collectors for them were Jewish men, and they worked for the Roman government. And so they were kind of, had turned their back on their own people and are gaining dishonest gain by keeping these uh, taxes upon their own people. They're not standing one together, unified. And so that would be the majority. Now, there might be someone out there who would be a tax collector who is not a Jew or something of that nature. 
But in the whole premise, mostly this was what a tax collector would be. And so uh, this is who the Pharisees are having trouble addressing with. And then there are sinners. And so there's two different types. So you got a tax collector who is a Jew, who is basically an outcast to them, and then you've got sinners. And that would be someone who is uh, living in open sin, who would um, not be in right standing with God, unrighteous, ungodly. Um, great description probably in uh, Romans 27 and 28 talks about the godless and all of those. And so this is who is kind of having issue. And so as we see, these are the people that are drawing near to Jesus. It says, we're all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And so you have them drawing near to Jesus, but you also have Jesus drawing near to them, welcoming them to the table. Like us having a meal over in the cat. A lot of us were looking kind of like lost sheep when we walked in and we got our plate and we're kind of like, oh, where's our wife? And, we're, and then we're just kind of walking around. And then somebody so kindly throws up their hand or says, right? So there's Jesus in welcoming them in to come and sit with them, not checking their resume, not making sure that they're up to par to be able to sit with them. And so here's the compassion that we see in Jesus sitting with these guys. Well, the guys who have got beef with this are the Pharisees and the scribes. And so Pharisees and scribes are what you would call a separatist. And they are people who are saying, hey, this lane and the lane that I'm in is the best lane, and anybody outside of that, no need for you. And we can put every different lane, whether we have, okay, the first two rows of the pews here are going to be young families with children, and then the next two rows are going to be college students, and then the first two rows on this side are going to be our senior saints, right? We can, we can segregate. We can break up into those things, but that's not of God. And so Jesus, in his kindness, wants to address this. And so before we start to kind of like look at these Pharisees and scribes and kind of condemn them, let's, let's look at them in a sense of they just got blinders on to this specific issue. And when we minister to people, we need to just look at them to just having blinders on. And our job is to open up their scope so that they can now see. Okay? Because there's a lot of things here that we can we can help them to gently be moved towards Christ. Because, like, when I minister to someone, let's say I minister to Josh. Well, I want to be a stepping stone in his life. 
That means that I humble myself enough and lower myself to where he can see Christ in my life so that he can step on me to get to the ultimate goal, which is Christ. You see what I'm saying? And so as we guide people, as we want to help them to see, we need to be kind to them. Because Jesus here could have said, hey, they're not going to get it. They're not even worth telling this parable to. And that's not the way that we want to be as we think of these parables. Okay? And so, as Jesus, in his kindness, even though they don't get it, even though they're blind to this, there's still that compassion. There's still that love that's there as we as God's people need to have for others in this world. So now let's dig into the parables themselves and look at them. So, looking in verse 3, it says, So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And so what we're seeing here is a shepherd who's actually pretty decently well off. Okay, to have a hundred sheep, you're actually pretty well off. And so it's not normal to have that many sheep. So technically if if you would lose one of these sheep, there was not really much skin off of your back. It was not really much pain here. But I want you to see, as Pharisees were referred to in the Old Testament, and we'll go to Ezekiel in just a second. If I can stop talking so I can drink this water. <laughs> Sorry, my mouth is really dry. Um, but... What we've got is, is that Pharisees were considered to be shepherds of Israel. And so Jesus using this example for them so that they can understand who, who they are and what they're supposed to be doing. Which again brings in that compassion and that mercy for us to understand the light of the glorious gospel. And that's how kind he is. But I want us to go over to Ezekiel 34. Go with me over to Ezekiel 34. All right. And starting in verse 1. Of 34, verse, well, verse 2, it says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. And so this is coming true. We are getting to see this kind of come true as we're reading this parable of the lost sheep. So it says, And say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, 
Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and, the, and with force and harshness you have not ruled them. Thus says the Lord, moving down to verse 11, Thus says the Lord, the God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a, on a days of clouds and thick darkness. Then over to verse 16. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the stray. I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And down to verse 23. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. And so as we are seeing here in Ezekiel, we are seeing this kind of come true. Because as we, as, as Pharisees, as teachers of the law, they are supposed to care for the sheep, for the people of Israel. But they're not caring for the people of Israel. They're taking advantage of the people of Israel. Just like we as pastors, elders, leaders, we can take advantage of the people who are under our care. Parents, with our children, we can take advantage of that responsibility that we have been given. But here is a beautiful Savior who is saying, hey, let me correct your way. Yes, this is happening. Yes, this has been prophesied. But let me show you how it should be done. And so over here, back in uh, Luke, verse 15. So he asked them this, this question. So which one of you, if you've lost a sheep, will not leave the 99 and go after the one. And to kind of understand, like not saying that the 99 aren't important and that these ones that are already in the fold and you seek after this one like it's got more value, that's not what we're saying here. I want to, I want to give you an example um, with parents. Okay? Let's say we've got, I've got four kids myself. Okay, let's say Esther 
has a temperature. She had a fever on Friday, I believe. Well, Dad, when me and Amber were about to go to bed, well, guess what? We were praying for Esther's health. We got three other children, but guess what? We weren't praying for their health. Does that make sense? Like we we weren't concerned about the three who didn't have a fear. That didn't mean that we didn't love the, that sh- them any less. But they weren't out there astray. They weren't out there wounded. Esther was wounded. So we needed to seek God for her healing. And this is what is happening here. With these hundred sheep, we have the 99 that are here. But we've got that one that is out there that is wounded. And that's what Jesus is saying. Look, that's who I'm sitting with. That's who these tax collectors and sinners are. They're wounded. They need a Savior. They need me to go seek and to save them. Not to judge them. Not to condemn them. But to show them that they're loved. To show them their need for a Savior. And we'll see that as it continues to carry on. And it says, And when he found it. Y'all need to say amen to when Jesus found it. Right? Because when Jesus finds something, that means everything changes. He found it. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. What a beautiful picture of us. We need to be laid on Jesus' shoulders. And stop being afraid to bring him our junk. Stop being afraid to be vulnerable in front of him. Because when we show him his brokenness, he runs to us and picks us up and rejoices as we're on his back. Think of that picture. There's statues all over in Europe of this specific picture. And that would kind of be the mark of explaining the Christian faith. Was this statue of Jesus carrying a wounded sheep on his shoulders. And that's how we want to be marked as believers. As believers who walk around and are willing to lay down their lives and carry around some wounded sheep. Carry them to the Savior. Stand in the gap for them. Let's keep going on. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, 
Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. So he doesn't just keep it to himself. That just say, man, I'm a pretty good shepherd. You say you're going to get that one on the edge? Right? Now, if you bring anything, hey, come on, let's rejoice. Because I love this sheep. This sheep, yeah, I could have just cast it off. What's the difference between 199 ribs? I don't get that much more wool. What, what's the benefit here? Because he loved the sheep. He loved the sheep, saw how broken it was, and went after him. Then he brings them back in. Says, Look, rejoice. Here we are. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than for over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And so that realization, I need a Savior. I am a broken sheep. That needs to be carried every single day. My mind gets off on things. My heart is veered to evil. This world that I live in is dark. I need a Savior to carry me on his shoulders. I need him to carry me. And thankfully, this good shepherd is not like those Pharisees. He binds up my wounds. He doesn't just say, oh well, and just strip me and take my wool and get fat off of eating me. He loves me back to hell. He doesn't say, oh, it's not worth it. But he lovingly nurtures and helps me to take off these blinders for the Pharisees. Right? Because once this sheep gets well again, the sheep needs to remember how good God is so that he doesn't wander off of you. But we can take it to the passion of, of Scripture. God's goodness will lead you into repentance. How amazing he is, how faithful he is. But he takes it a step further. And guys, in, in the Bible, when, when Jesus just continues to explain stuff, especially us parents, 
Like, how many times do we explain something to our children and then say, okay, I've told you that. Why don't you get it yet? Or explaining something to a friend. We're just like, come on. Let's go. Let's move on to the next thing. Like, but Jesus, so gentle, so kind, so merciful, says, hey, let me, I, I want these boys to see it. I want them to understand. Let me take them to another building. Saying the same message, just in a little different way, so that they can possibly understand What a wonderful God. So let's go into the next part. And it says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And so we're moving from someone who is, I would say, in our time period, let's call them middle class. From a dude who's got a hundred sheep, that means he can pay a mortgage on a house, that means he's got a car that he can drive. That means he's middle class, right, with these hundred sheep. Now we're moving, and not too fast, but moving, <laughs> we're moving over to a lady who has ten silver coins. Each one of these coins would be about a, a day's wage. So everything she has to her name, you could earn in 10 days. So as she loses one of these coins, there's a lot of value that is gone out the door for her. And so here she is, and she's living in this little house. Okay, And in this time period, there was not windows in their houses. There was just a little door. And they would more put hay on the, on the floor to kind of give just a little cushion to sit on, a little, um, just to have something there. It, it, would, it would help with the, with the heat, with the cold, okay, kind of like insulation, okay? But when she loses this coin, okay, she lights the lamp. There's no windows in there. So she's lighting the lamp so that she can see. And so here she goes, and she lights the lamp. And so she goes to work. And she is diligently, uses the word diligently seeking after this point. And so she's sweeping everything out, even though it's helping with heat, it's helping with comfort, it is her home. She is turning this place upside down. And so she sweeps absolutely everything out. She's sweeping it all out. She's cleaning everything. She's looking here, looking there. So she is pursuing this coin. Because it has value. Because it has value. And guys, God doesn't need any of you. He doesn't need me by means. But he sends value.
He said he's glad I'm with you. Not because of your spiritual gifts that he's given you. Not because of this ministry that you're a part of. Not because of your personality. Because God's not going to look at our resume. People say I'm valued because I created you. You are an image bearer of Christ. And I am holding back all of creation so that you have the privilege to proclaim my name. Think about that for God. What he's doing for us. It says, if we don't cry out the rocks, we Well, who do you think stopping the rocks from crying? Jesus. Because he's giving us that privilege to proclaim his name. When he's casting out demons and they're saying, you are the son of God. And he just That's our job to proclaim his name. That's our job to be image bearers of Christ. And so as this lady is seeking diligently to find this coin, and she finds it, what does she do? The exact same thing that happens. And when she is founded, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have lost the coin that I I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so what we have had pictured here is a wonderful God who has just shown his character, which is so different from ours, seeking and saving that which is lost. And I pray that tonight as you look back, as you read this, that you are thankful for a Savior that seeks and saves that which is lost. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we are uh, so thankful for who you are. Lord, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for um, just your kindness, your loving mercy. Lord Jesus, that none of us deserve a Savior. Lord Jesus, but you are so amazing to be yourself. 
Lord, and I pray that now that as we have been called out of darkness, Lord Jesus, that we would have that same heart to seek and to save that which is lost. That we would go into this world with that glorious message of your death, burial, and resurrection to this world. Lord, I love you so much. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.